Welcome to Foothills Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Doug Peak. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit foothills.org. Well, welcome everyone to Foothills Christian Church, all of you who are here in the auditorium with me at the main campus and all of you doing church at home, whether you're in Idaho, United States, North America, or across the globe, we are glad that you are with us today in experiencing Jesus Christ. Now, If you're brand new or you're just starting, we just want to give you a shout out and we want to welcome you to our fellowship. And one of the best ways to feel connected is to subscribe to YouTube. And so go over there. It helps dramatically for us and for you. And also download the phone app because on the phone app, you can actually go to Sunday at the bottom and then click on notes and you will find message notes from what we're gonna be sharing today and studying today. You're gonna have all the passages of scripture and also places where you can actually fill in your own notes and then you can email it to yourself for your journal or whatever you like. So it's just a great tool to have. Now, today, the principle that we're gonna talk about in the best way to live has everything to do with developing you to the point where you can handle anything that life throws at you. And boy, has life been throwing a lot of things at us right now. A lot of people are feeling really uh, uh, kind of like, well, what in the world is a new normal? And how are we gonna deal with this? And there's so much change on top of all this disruption. It's just crazy. So one great thing about how when the internet meets a uh, pandemic, you get memes. You get a lot of really great memes and memes about how life feels at this moment. And for a lot of people, I think life feels like even the smallest things are now just the most massive things. So let's look at a couple memes up here and see how the internet is interpreting life. Okay, so you hit your pinky toe on the leg of the couch and what happens? Yeah, you feel like you're dying. Why? Because everything is killing you right now. All right, what's the next one here? Here's another one. This dog couldn't even make it to the bowl. Just can't handle life today. Some people are feeling that way. Here's another meme for you that I like, which I think is kind of funny. I just don't understand why my life is so gray. That's because you're a pug. He is cute, though. I like the dog ones for some reason. I really do. Here's another one. Here's about like, oh, am I going to slide into adulthood? This is what life is looking like for me right now. Yeah, it just gets worse. That's like 2020. Sliding into 2020 started off great, didn't it? And then it's like, and so, and of course, you know, sometime life picks you instead of you picking life. And here's uh, one of my personal favorites right here. I, I thought this one was pretty good. So look at that baby. I wanted to change it, but I did. It's like, you know, you don't choose the pandemic life. The pandemic life chooses you. So I'd just like to ask you something. If you're taking notes or if you have the phone app up, is there's a place to kind of answer this question. It is take a moment right now and write down where life is not treating you the best. Uh, even if you're a super positive, optimistic person. Would you just take a moment and think about, well, this is the one area of my life where life isn't treating me the best, and boy, I'd like to figure out some ways to handle it better. So that's what we're going to talk about today, how to handle anything that life is going to throw at you. But in order to dig into the principle behind this, what we need to do is we need to kind of do a little bit of review, because each and every week we have had this uh, uh, series build on itself. So let's go back and let's do a little bit of review, okay? And it starts with 
You have a soul and it longs for something. Jesus came to quench the thirst of your soul. And what's really interesting about that is you cannot have your soul quenched until it is renewed. So your soul must be renewed first. And that's why Jesus Christ came. He he came to die on the cross in order to renew your soul, to rebirth your soul, to rise it or raise it from the dead. All right. Now, the other thing is that uh, once renewed, it can be filled with all these new values. And these new values are really, really powerful. And these new values are all about the best way to live. So that's what we're talking about right now. And I feel that once you have this under your belt, then you can really move forward because you need to understand that when we talk about new values that you can live, a lot of people hear them and say, oh, I like those. Those are really good ideas and I'm going to try them, but they skip the soul renewal step. And what happens when you do this is you actually end up being more disappointed and more frustrated because you have this this ideal that you'd like to live or you'd like to be able to do, but you can't do it. It's so frustrating. And the reason why is because you skip Jesus Christ renewing your soul. Uh, Jesus talked about this a lot. The Bible's very specific. And that is, is that a lot of times your soul must be renewed because you got to wash out the old stuff, right? The sin and death of of before. And then once you're redeemed, you're brought back by Jesus Christ, the power of his blood. What happens is now you have his Holy Spirit indwelling you. You have him comforting you, encouraging you, inspiring you. You have the very power of God moving through you. And so that's why that renewal step is so important. So don't try to live out these values and try to understand these values without renewing your soul. Very, very important. So the best way to live and the principle that allows you to handle anything that life throws at you is simply this. Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. That's our principle. I think we have it up here on the screen. And I'd like you to kind of be able to fill in the blanks. Stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Now, some of you might think, you want me to like start having conversations with myself? What if I debate myself and answer back? Won't I kind of be considered crazy? Is that what you want me to be crazy? No, that's not what we're talking about. What I really want you though is to understand what the Bible has to say about it and how it impacts the best way to live and how you learn how to handle anything that comes at you once you learn to stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Now, let's dig in. We'll begin in Psalms chapter 42, and we're going to study this psalm. Now, what you need to understand about the book of Psalms in the Old Testament is that they are a book of songs. And since we don't have the music, what we have is the lyrics to these songs. And so these are very popular. People love reading the Psalms. And the reason why is because they really speak to kind of more of the heart side of us. So let's start with verse one of chapter 42 of the book of Psalms, and let's see how to stop listening to our heart and start talking to our heart. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. And while people say to me all day long, 
where is your God? Now, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to kind of read how this is like the first verse of the song. He's saying, God, I really need you right now. Just like a deer really needs water. And the reason why is because my food all day and night has been tears. So what's he saying? He's saying, my life is going really bad right now. There's a lot of really bad things happening that are beyond my control. And he says, so he's saying, I really need you, God, and I don't feel like you're showing up. Verse four, these things I remember. So what happens when you feel like God is not showing up? He says, I'm going to try and remember. What? I'm going to remember these things as I pour out my soul. So he's communicating to God how he feels, how I, and what is he going to remember? How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. So he's saying, I used to go to you, God, and I was under your protection and all this great stuff was happening. And I just felt all this momentum behind me. So let's go to verse five and see what he says next. Why? My soul, are you downcast? Now notice how he shifts. First, he's, he, he's talking to God, and then he's remembering. Now he's talking to what? Himself. So he's talking to his own soul. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Nazar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now notice up here in verse five, he's saying, soul, why are you downcast? I will yet praise God. And then he says, verse six, my soul is downcast. So you see, he's kind of repeating this theme. And then what he does is he remembers who God is and what God has done. And then verse 11, notice how he ends the song. Why, my soul, are you downcast? It's almost as if the tone of the question changes into a different answer. He says, why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Now notice how he's telling his heart what to do. Put your hope in God, for I will what? Yet praise God, my Savior and my God. So what we see here is the steps of learning how to talk to your heart instead of listening to your heart. So let's jump in here and kind of look at what the steps are so that we can have a better understanding of who God is and what God is doing. So let me pop this up. All right. Number one is this, is you need to learn how to pour out your soul. Notice what he says there. It's up here on the screen in verse four. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Now, what does that exactly mean? Well, this is kind of a modern day, uh, an ancient description of the modern day notion of getting in touch with your feelings. Now, some people are like, wow, man, that seems like going down there is a lack of faith or trust in God. Well, it's really not. When you have bad feelings, that's not a lack of faith or trust in God. Really, what you want to trust God with is what's going on in your soul so that God can speak to your soul. That is really important. So the first step is learning how to pour out your soul and get in touch with what's really going inside 
at your deepest level. Then the second thing that happens is this, is notice he starts a self-dialogue. In verse five, he talks about, why my soul are you so downcast? So you notice how now he's gonna stop listening to his heart and he's gonna start talking with his heart before he talks to his heart. Now, one of the people that uh, I read and listen to uh, that, that I really enjoy is uh, Timothy Keller. And he was actually talking on this subject, uh, kind of a similar thing. And he made a mention to a guy by the name of Dr. David Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he was a fascinating guy. Here's a picture of him up there. And he was born in 1899 and he lived until 1981. And what he was known for is first is he was a doctor. He lived through the Spanish flu where somewhere between 50 and 100 million people died from the flu back in the 1917 area. He's about 18, 17, 18 years old when this happened. He became a physician. But that's not what he's most known for. What he's most known for is that he was the preaching pastor at Westminster Chapel in London, a very famous church in Western Europe. And he talks about what the psalmist says, and he says it better than I ever could. So I wanted to read a quote from him. This quote is actually written down and recorded in the message notes of the phone app, if you'd like to get it. Here's what he says about starting a self-dialogue. Listen to his words. The first thing we have to learn is what the, the psalmist learned. We must take ourselves in hand. He is talking to himself. He is addressing himself. It is important to see that this is not morbidity or introspection. We must talk to ourselves instead of ourselves talking to us. Am I being deliberately paradoxical? Far from it. This is the very essence of wisdom in this matter. Have you realized that so much of your unhappiness in this life is due to your listening to yourself instead of talking? So this man who wrote the Psalm stands up and he says, self, you're gonna listen for a moment. And you must go on and remind yourself of who God is, what God is, what God has done, and what God has pledged himself to do. And then on this great note, you defy yourself, you defy other people, you defy the devil and the whole world, and you say with the psalmist, I shall yet praise him for he is my God. Now, why would Dr. Jones say this? And why is this in the Psalms? And Because they're getting at a little mystery that we must admit. And that is our hearts can say all kinds of things to us. Sometimes our hearts say really great things. But guess what? Our hearts also panic. Our hearts have fear. Our hearts are influenced by that fear. Our hearts can be paranoid. Our hearts can get depressed. Our hearts can be the seedbed of anxiety. And so it's not until we learn that about our heart and wisely understand that our heart feels all sorts of things that we can take it in hand and stop listening to it and start talking to it. There's a really interesting passage uh, that the Apostle John wrote it's in 1 John chapter 3, and I want to kind of show you about why we shouldn't always trust our heart. Notice what it says, beginning with verse 19. 
Now, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest. That's a very important phrase. How do you set your hearts at rest? In his presence. That's where we find rest is in his presence. But how do I put myself in God's presence? If our hearts condemn us, oh, look at that. Your heart can condemn you. If your heart is condemning you, what do you do? Do you just listen to your heart or do you do something different? Notice what he says. We know, okay, so this is a knowledge thing in your head. So now I'm going to talk to my heart. I'm going to tell my heart what I know, not what I'm feeling, but what I know. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. See how that works? Once we understand how to, as Dr. Jones says, take ourselves in hand and speak to ourselves, we are learning how to handle anything that the life throws at us. So now we go to number three, okay? Number three is really important because it, what it does is it allows you to tell yourself where to place your hope. What are the actual words I should be speaking? Well, as you say, place your hope in God, what you're ending up doing is reordering your priorities. The things that you think are most important kind of come down the list. It doesn't mean they're not important, but what it does is they are in their rightful place. Now, this truth is basically every issue you've ever struggled with in life may be because you are listening to your heart instead of talking to your heart. I would go for, so far as to say that every goal you've achieved, every mountain you've climbed, every success you have is because you learned how to talk to yourself instead of listening to yourself. And that's why this principle is so important because once you learn it, you can handle anything that life would throw at you. So this principle applies to yourself, how you view yourself, your own sense of value. It applies to your relationships and whether you're single and you'd like to fall in love, whether you are married, whether you are single again, whether you are a parent, even if you're a child and you're trying to relate to your parents. This principle applies across the board. But one of the biggest issues that all of us are facing right now is the issue of financial pressure. So let's take this principle and apply it to that. Let's see how we can take this principle, apply it to real life situation, and then learn in the process. So everybody is being stressed financially one way or another. The economic impact of this pandemic is gonna go on for months and months and months. It's gonna be a long time before we get back to even where we were before it all happened. So how do you talk to yourself when all that anxiety or all that stress or all those challenges and you don't know what to do hit you like a ton of bricks? Well, let's turn to the Bible and see what it is we should tell ourselves in the midst of financial stress. So let's start with Proverbs chapter 10, verses three through five. Verse three, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the cravings of the wicked. 
Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. So what are the two things that this passage of scripture allows you to speak to your own heart? Well, number one, you need money. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry. Diligent hands bring wealth. You need money. We need money. Money is necessary, not only for survival, but it's also how we engage in relationships with our society. It's a thing, you know, the, the notion is that money has a language all of itself. And so we need money. You can say that to God. God, I know that I need money and I need to be able to make money. And then the second thing you can tell your heart is this. Hard work and applying yourself generates prosperity. So where does prosperity come from? When I work hard and I apply myself. That's the whole notion of diligence generates wealth. So the first thing you should tell yourself in this situation or in the ensuing situations you find yourself in is that, I, God, I need money. I know you and I know I need money, but I also need to understand that it's hard work and applying myself is how I will generate prosperity. I need to be ready, God, to take care of any opportunity that is out in front of me. That's very important. Now let's turn over to 1 Timothy, the New Testament, chapter 6, beginning with verse 17. And we're going to find two more principles that you can tell your heart in the midst of financial stress. All right? Let's read the verse. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth. Now I know some of you who are doing church at home, or some of you who may be listening online are thinking, oh, Thank goodness this verse doesn't apply to me because I'm not rich. Well, I hate to break it to you. If you live in America, you're rich. So this verse applies to you. And the reason why is because even the poorest in America are still in the top 3 to 5% of all wage earners in the entire globe. And God sees everybody from his perspective. And so if you live in America, you're wealthy. Now, Therefore, this verse applies to you. And what is he telling us? Well, let's not be arrogant, okay? Let's understand what that means. And let's not put our hope in money, which is so uncertain. How many of us have learned how uncertain the flow of money is in the last three months? It's pretty uncertain. He goes, but to put our hope where? In God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So if we go on to verse 18, it says this. It says, command all of us to do good and to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Verse 19, in this way, I love this phrase, in this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So why should we do this? Because we want to take a hold of the life that is truly life. 
So the third thing that we should tell ourselves when we hit financial stress, allow us to handle anything the world throws at us, is this, is don't put your hope in money, put your hope in God. So don't put your hope in money, put it in God. And then number four, money is an earthly scorekeeping, generosity is heavenly scorekeeping. Now, what does that mean? Well, when you're young, what do you do? It's like, well, you know, when I first start out, you maybe you're, you're 12, 13, 14 years of age, and you're thinking to yourself, man, I just want to go out and play and have a good time. And man, mom and dad, would you guys buy me a car? Mom and dad, would you pay for my car insurance? Mom and dad, I need some allowance so I have some fun money kind of walking around money. I want to go out and have fun with my friends. And then you get to your, your 19, 20 years old, maybe 21, 22, and you look at your life and you go, I wonder why I lack self-confidence. I wonder why whenever there's an opportunity out there, I kind of say no, I don't take advantage of it. Or I, I, I get angry and upset that people have more than I have. I just don't feel it's, for, it's, it's fair. Or you look back and say, how come my parents couldn't have done better and given me more like my friend Susie over there who got everything she ever wanted? You know, you kind of have these thoughts and these attitudes in your life, but really what you're dealing with is low self-confidence. Now, I want to tell you the truth. Making money is not going to make you a confident person. It's not, going to, it's not going to happen. But working hard, learning a skill, learning how to be productive and bring value to an organization, a company, or a customer, exercising discipline, that will help you build self-confidence. And this is where money comes in because it helps you gauge whether you're doing that or not. Money in of itself is just a tool. It has no uh, spiritual value to it. It's just a tool. And so it can't make you confident. But what it can do is gauge whether you're doing the things spiritually that build confidence in your life. So money is an earthly scorecard. And it's not a bad scorecard. It's just a scorecard. Now, as you get older... Simply making money becomes kind of empty. It may buy you freedom, makes you more comfortable, you can do more things, but it doesn't help your sense of fulfillment, especially where it counts in your soul. And this is why generosity is a heavenly scorekeeper. Now, both scorecards help you grab a hold of life that is life, but generosity really helps you in the heavenly scorekeeping. It helps you understand what is most important in life. So my question for you is, why do you want to work hard in order to do better with money so you can grab life that is life? Why do you want to learn to be rich in good deeds so that you can grab a hold of life that is life? Why do you want to be good at handling and managing money and disciplined with it? So you can grab a hold of life that is life. Why do you want to be more generous than you are now in order to grab a hold of life that is life? So there you go. Now you can handle anything the world throws at you financially if you learn to talk to yourself in this area. It will be easier to apply then to every other area 
of your life. So let us look for, as we look future to all of the financial stress we're going to experience over the next year and a half, learn to tell yourself how your soul should feel now before you get into it. Because in those moments when you're really stressed out, guess what tends to shout and yell at you? Your heart. So tell your heart, hey, I know you're upset. I know you're filled with anxiety, but I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to talk to you because I'm going to remind myself who God is. I'm going to tell myself what God has done. I'm going to remind myself what he promised to do and what he can do even in the midst of this situation. Therefore, you now can tell your heart, I will yet praise my God, my King. So if you want to be more generous, if you want to be better with money, and you want to grab a hold of the life that is life, then learn to talk to yourself. That's the key to handling anything this world throws at you. Let's let Jason close us out. Thank you for listening to this Sermon of the Week. Video footage of this sermon and others can be found on foothills.org.